द लॉ स्कूल ऑफ अमेरिका द लॉ स्कूल ऑफ अमेरिका योर फ्री सोर्स फॉर अ लीगल एजुकेशन विल प्ले अन इंटरप्टेड राइट आफ्टर अ वर्ड फ्रॉम आर स्पॉन्सर द लॉ स्कूल ऑफ अमेरिका A firm offer is an offer that will remain open for a certain period or until a certain time or occurrence of a certain event during which it is incapable of being revoked. As a general rule, all offers are revocable at any time prior to acceptance, even those offers that purport to be irrevocable on their face. In the United States, an exception is the merchant firm offer rule set out in Uniform Commercial Code, section 2 to 205. which states that an offer is firm and irrevocable if it is an offer to buy or sell goods made by a merchant and it is in writing and signed by the offerer such an offer is irrevocable even in the absence of consideration if no time is stated it is irrevocable for a reasonable time but in no event may a period of irrevocability exceed 3 months any such term of assurance in a form supplied by the offeree must be separately signed by the offerer however Even when the period of irrevocability expires, the offer may still remain open until revoked or rejected according to the general rules regarding termination of an offer. If the offeree rejects, fails to accept the terms of the offer, fixed or otherwise, or makes a counteroffer, then the original offer is terminated. In the law of contracts, the mirror image rule, also referred to as an unequivocal and absolute acceptance requirement, states that an offer must be accepted exactly with no modifications. The offer is the master of their own offer. An attempt to accept the offer on different terms instead creates a counteroffer, and this constitutes a rejection of the original offer. United States. In the United States, this rule still exists at common law. However, the Uniform Commercial Code, UCC, dispenses with it in section 2 to 207. But it can also be argued that section 2 to 207-1 enforces the mirror image rule. Therefore, Its applicability depends upon what law governs. Most states have adopted the UCC, which governs transactions in goods. Contracts for services or land, for example, would not be governed by the UCC. The second restatement of contracts also provides that when parties have not agreed to an essential term, a term which is reasonable in the circumstances is supplied by the court. However, it may not be possible for a reasonable term to be supplied by the court. England The English common law established the concepts of consensus ad idem, offer, acceptance and counteroffer. The leading case on counteroffer is Hyde v. Wrench. The phrase mirror image rule is rarely, if at all, used by English lawyers, but the concept remains valid, as in Gibson v. Manchester City Council, and Butler Machine Tool v. Excello. Australia This position is adhered to in Australia, New South Wales. If a person were to accept an offer, but make a modification then they are actually rejecting the offer presented to them and are proposing a counteroffer masters v cameron 1954 that modifying party is then the one making a new offer and the original offerer is now the one who has to accept an invitation to treat or invitation to bargain in the united states is a concept within contract law which comes from the latin phrase invitatio ad offerendum meaning inviting an offer According to Professor Andrew Burrows, an invitation to treat is an expression of willingness to negotiate. A person making an invitation to treat does not intend to be bound as soon as it is accepted by the person to whom the statement is addressed. A contract is a legally binding voluntary agreement formed when one person makes an offer and the other accepts it. There may be some preliminary discussion before an offer is formally made. Such pre-contractual representations are known variously as invitations to treat. 
requests for information or statements of intention. True offers may be accepted to form a contract, whereas representations such as invitations to treat may not. However, although an invitation to treat cannot be accepted it should not be ignored, for it may nevertheless affect the offer. For example, where an offer is made in response to an invitation to treat, the offer may incorporate the terms of the invitation to treat, unless the offer expressly incorporates different terms. If, as in the Boots case, described below, the offer is made by an action without any negotiations, such as presenting goods to a cashier, the offer will be presumed to be on the terms of the invitation to treat. Case Law Generally, advertisements are not offers but invitations to treat, so the person advertising is not compelled to sell. In Partridge v. Cretendon, a defendant who was charged with offering for sale protected birds bramble finch cocks and hens that he had advertised for sale in a newspaper, was not offering to sell them. Lord Parker C.J. said it did not make business sense for advertisements to be offers, as the person making the advertisement may find himself in a situation where he would be contractually obliged to sell more goods than he actually owned. In certain circumstances called unilateral contracts, an advertisement can be an offer, as in Carlyle v. Carbolic Smoke Ball Company, where it was held that the defendants, who advertised that they would pay £100 to anyone who sniffed a smoke ball in the prescribed manner and yet caught influenza, were contractually obliged to pay £100 to whoever accepted it by performing the required acts. A display of goods for sale in a shop window or within a shop is an invitation to treat, as in the Boots case, a leading case concerning supermarkets. The shop owner is thus not obliged to sell the goods, even if signage such as special offer accompanies the display. Also, in Fisher v. Bell, the display of a flick knife for sale in a shop did not contravene legislation which prohibited offering for sale an offensive weapon. If a shop mistakenly displays an item for sale at a very low price it is not obliged to sell it for that amount. For an offer to be capable of becoming binding on acceptance, the offer must be definite, clear, and objectively intended to be capable of acceptance. In England, auctions are governed by the Sale of Goods Act 1979, as amended. Section 57-2 provides, a sale by auction is complete when the auctioneer announces its completion by the fall of the hammer, or in other customary manner. Until the announcement is made any bidder may retract his bid. S. 57.3 provides further, an auction sale may be subject to a reserve price. However, if the auction is held without reserve then the auctioneer is obliged to sell to the highest bidder. It is implicit from Payne v. Cave, 1789, an early case concerning auctions, that each bid is deemed to expire when others make higher bids, but some auctioneers, such as eBay, have lawfully amended this presumption so that, should a higher bidder withdraw his bid, they may accept a lower one. The tender process is a debated issue. In the case of Spencer v. Harding, the defendants offered to sell stock by tender, but the court held that there was no promise to sell to the highest bidder, merely an invitation for offers which they could then accept or reject at will. In exceptional circumstances, an invitation for tenders may be an offer, as in Harvella Investments v. Royal Trust of Canada where the court held that because defendants had made clear an intention to accept the highest tender, then the invitation to tender was an offer accepted by the person making the highest tender. The Harvella case also made it clear that referential bids, for example, $2,100,000 or $101,000 in excess of any other offer which you may receive, whichever is the higher, as in the Harvella case, are void as being contrary to public policy and not cricket. Bundled Terms Contracts where a legally valueless term is bundled with a term that does have legal value are still generally enforceable. Consider the uncle's situation above. 
If the same uncle had instead told his 13-year-old nephew the following offer, if you do not smoke cigarettes, do not drink alcohol, swear or play cards for money, gamble, before your 21st birthday, then I will pay you $5,000. On the nephew's 21st birthday, he asks the uncle to pay up, and this time, in the subsequent lawsuit, the nephew may win. Although the promise of not drinking alcohol and gambling while under the age of 21 was not a valuable consideration, it was already legally prohibited, most states allow smoking by age 18 and swearing, while some consider it vulgar, is not illegal at any age. Even though smoking is legally restricted until age 18, it is legal for those above 18, and thus the promise to forbear from it entirely has legal value. However, the uncle would still be relieved from the liability if his nephew drank alcohol, even though the consideration is valueless, because it was paired with something of legal value, therefore, adherence to the entire, collective agreement is necessary. Past Consideration Generally, past consideration is not a valid consideration and has no legal value. Past consideration is consideration that has already flowed from the promise to the promiser. That is, the promises act or forbearance predates the promiser's promise. Past consideration therefore cannot be used as a basis when claiming damages. An exception to this rule is where there is a duty owed to a third party. An act done before the giving of a promise to make a payment or to confer some other benefit can sometimes be consideration for the promise. For this to hold, three conditions must be satisfied. Pawan v. Lao Yu Long. 1. The act must have been done at the promiser's request. 2. The parties must have understood the act was to be remunerated either by a payment or the conferment of some other benefit. 3. Payment slash conferment of the benefit must have been legally enforceable had it been promised in advance. Option contracts and conditional consideration. Generally, conditional consideration is valid consideration. Suppose A is a movie script writer and B runs a movie production company. A says to B, buy my script. B says how about this, I will pay you $5,000 so that you do not let anyone else produce your movie until one year from now. If I do produce your movie in that year, then I will give you another $50,000, and no one else can produce it. If I do not produce your movie in that year, then you're free to go. If the two subsequently get into a dispute, the issue of whether a contract exists is answered. B had an option contract, he could decide to produce the script, or not. B's consideration passed was the $5,000 down, and the possibility of $50,000. A's consideration passed was the exclusive rights to the movie script for at least one year. In settlements. Suppose B commits a tort against A, causing $5,000 in compensatory damages and $3,000 in punitive damages. Since there is no guarantee that A would win against B if it went to court, A may agree to drop the case if B pays the $5,000 compensatory damages. This is sufficient consideration, since B's consideration is a guaranteed recovery, and A's consideration is that B only has to pay $5,000, instead of $8,000. Now a word from our sponsor, the Law School of America. This has been a Creative Commons licensed podcast. The content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation incorporated under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The text has been modified for audio. The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. These podcasts are not associated with the Wikimedia Foundation in any context. The Law School of America. (laughs) 